What's the difference between a shepherd and the great shepherd? Let's talk about that today on the Midweek Move. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is the podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited. We we took a little uh, detour from our conversation on Peter, and we had a really great three-part conversation on revival. And if you guys haven't checked that out, please go back, listen to those podcasts. On our YouTube channel, we actually have a, uh, a listing just for that conversation for you guys to check out in its entirety. Uh, but we're jumping back into 1 Peter. And uh, Peter has been a really interesting book to read. It's been talking about uh, leadership and submission and submitting to authority and what that looks like. And as we're coming to a close here of this first Peter, um, Peter has some words for leaders and for quote unquote lay people that I think um, for me as a, as a leader and someone who serves has challenged me in a lot of ways. And I'm really excited because um, uh, pastor, you have a lot of thoughts on leadership. And you have a lot of great uh, thoughts that I think have challenged people over the years that I think that this will lend itself to uh, allowing you to bring that out. And I really want to encourage people listening, especially if you're a pastor or a leader in your church, lean in and listen to this because I I feel like that today's conversation may adjust how you view what you do in your church or in the ministry that you lead Um, because it's important. It's important for us to walk this out biblically. Uh, I think things, uh, and you, you uh, talk about this. Some people kind of gone askew <laughs> how they view stuff. And, um, and this as is, we all can, as we all can, that's yes. the thing I was about to say that's is right. we can all go askew if we're, cause we're so focused on the ministry. We're so focused on the mission that we forget the heart behind the mission. And so, uh, let's jump into it, pastor, if you're ready. All right. First, uh, Peter chapter five. Verse 1, the elders who are among you, I exhort. Now, that word elder coming from the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. um, meaning the elders who would gather uh, normally around the gate. Uh, There was actually a a gate where the elders would gather and they would discuss the... the, the content of what was happening within the within the city, within the gates of the city, they would make decisions. They would uh, even they would uh, uh, cast decisions on who would be allowed to enter into the city. Mm. Um, so a, a lot of different things, but that's kind of where that wording comes from. Are the elders? They would be people that would be um, more mature, more wise. Uh, in the Old Testament, it would lean towards uh, age sometimes, but we see in the New Testament where it tends to move away from age and it leans more into maturity and wisdom. Right. So Paul to Timothy, we can take that as an example, where right. Timothy becomes a leader. He's not necessarily a super old man. He's mm-hmm. not a teenager, but he's not a super old man. Right. So it was predicated on his maturity and wisdom rather than his age. So when we say the word elder, we're not always talking about somebody that's 90 or 80. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I heard a quote years and years ago that 
you know, age doesn't determine, doesn't determine the way a life is lived. Right. That somebody can be eight years old and get more out of life than somebody that's 90 years old. Mm. It all depends on what you do with that life and how you live that life. And mm-hmm. so when we, when we say that word elders, let's not allow our minds to go to, oh, these are the 90-year-old white hairs right. standing around and they don't know anything about the young people or anything like that. And then let's also not go to, oh, he's 21 years old and he's pretty smart. He's an elder. Well, no, that's not true either. There's a balance, and I'm glad you brought Timothy. I was just reading in Timothy earlier today, and in Paul's instruction to Timothy, uh, he tells him, "Hey, don't let me despise because of your age." At the same time, goes when you do speak to an older person, yep, do so as you as a father, yep, bringing respect and honor to it. Which we again is a, a common thing throughout Peter itself of respect and honor towards either direction. That's right. So he says, "The elders who are among you, I exhort." Elders being plural. Mm-hmm. I, who am a fellow elder, that's a key terminology there, fellow elder, mm-hmm. and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Okay, so Peter is he's, he's talking about, he goes, I'm, I'm talking to the elders specifically, the people in your in your area, the people that are, are leading you guys. But then he says a couple things here, and he puts himself on a level. It's easy for us. We'd look at Peter and we go, oh, this is Peter. This is the apostle. This is, you know, the apostle. He's got a business card that says, hi, I'm the apostle Peter, <laughs> right? We see that take place. Chink, 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 chink. Oh, I messed it up. Yeah. Another rock. Here's another tablet. <laughs> but we think that. Right. But then he goes to him. He's like going, I, you know, to the elders, I'm the apostle telling this. He goes, a fellow elder. Yep. Why, what does that fact that he's saying, fellow elder, and the fact that he puts himself as a witness of the suffering, so someone who's walking this with them, what does it say about his, about his mindset of how he views the people he's talking to? I love this verse because it is actually where kind of we've been living and what we've been talking about as far as leadership mm-hmm. is that there is this humility to, I'm just a fellow, fellow elder. Mm-hmm. Peter, along with Paul, many times in their letters would even use the word bondservant. Mm-hmm. I'm a bondservant mm-hmm. to the Lord Jesus and a servant with you right. to everyone else. Not just, hey, I'm an apostle. Hey, I'm this. But I love the fact that there's a humility of, I'm just one of the fellow elders, but there's also an authority mm-hmm. that he says, I witnessed. Mm-hmm. I am an eyewitness to not only the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. Right. And so that that carries an authority. I think sometimes we forget in the kingdom of God, we think it's like one or the other, like I carry authority. And what it does is it becomes a source of pride mm-hmm. and we're no longer humble. Therefore, we're not walking in the leadership style that Jesus called to walk in. Mm-hmm. Or we feel like humility is I'm just a doormat for everybody and I don't mm-hmm. get to say anything and I don't have any authority. Right. We have authority in the name of Jesus, right? but in that authority, it's not the authority of man. We don't walk in pride of that. We are humble. We are just fellow servants with other people, right? but yet we have witnessed, um, and in his case, we have witnessed the sufferings of Jesus, which I think is interesting for Peter because he denied Jesus right? <laughs> in the moment of suffering, but yet even though the Gospels don't say that Peter was there at the crucifixion. We know that John was there. <clears throat> but in this connotation, there is a connotation of Peter saying, I may not have been at the foot of the cross, but I was there at a distance and I witnessed what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's an incredible statement of humility. 
yet a a non-apologetic form of the authority given in Christ. And I think that's the balance that um, every leader has to struggle with of walking in that, you know, I'm walking in authority, but I'm walking with humility at the same time. My wife and I were talking about that. And it's less than something was so great. We're talking about just several uh, leadership styles and some people who are leaders. And she's like, you know, there's a difference between talk, speaking with authority and then speaking with an air of superiority. And I feel like that some leaders, um, maybe it's out of insecurity, maybe it's out of training, they walk with an air of superiority rather than authority. And there's a difference because when you say that you are walking, when you're walking in superiority, you almost put yourself in the position of Christ. Sure. You almost put yourself, I'm over this, I'm Lord over this, and that's not the case. An authority figure goes in and goes, I know what's happening here. Let's walk this together. Yeah, aspect. insecurity in in a spiritual leadership position leads to almost like the religious leaders of the day who mm-hmm. who in Christ's time, the religious leaders, it wasn't about the law. It really mm-hmm. wasn't. If you get to the motives of their heart, it was about them remaining in control mm-hmm. and having control over the people using the law mm-hmm. to control people. Right. Again, we've talked about this before. Declaring the word of God as the truth is not the same of using the word of God to dominate or domineer people. Mm-hmm. And what Peter deals with right here is that there is a humility, but yet there's also an authority not to control people, mm-hmm. but to walk in the authority that Christ had given him. And here is a man who genuinely had been humbled. Mm-hmm. He's not just saying, I'm one of the fellow elders in a like a, just a statement of humility. Mm-hmm. He's had to walk through humility. Yeah. Get behind me, Satan. No, you're not going to wash my whole body. You're just going to wash my feet. Right. Um, you're going to deny me three times. And when the rooster crows, you're going to know it. No, right. no, no, Lord, I won't. I won't. I won't. Right. No, no, no. I don't know him. I curse you. I don't know him. Right. And then hearing that rooster crow, and now all of a sudden the condemnation comes on you and you go back to the very thing you were doing before when you said you would leave all and follow Jesus. You've gone back to that now, mm. meaning that you believe there's no redemption for you. Right. That's being humbled. Yeah. But yet the humility is Jesus coming to him and saying, do you love me? He could have said, I can't do this anymore and I'm just going to stay right here fishing. Right. That would have been pride. I want to do this. It's more comfortable. But he says, yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes. Do you? feed my, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And so I, I, if anybody knows what being humbled is, it's this man. So when he writes, it's, it is from a place of authority, right? It's almost like my kids, you know, if they would ever come back and they never really did this, but they would ever come back to me and go, well, you can't tell me not to do drugs because you did drugs. And it's like, no, I know what that path is. Therefore, as I have been redeemed, now I have the authority Mm to speak to you because I know where this leads. Right. Peter has the authority to speak on humility because he knows what it's like to be genuinely humbled. Absolutely. Absolutely. So verse two. Um, oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion. And again, he's, he's actually dealing with that air of superiority that you talked about mm-hmm. of leaders who are using the law and using the things of God to mm-hmm. compel people to do something that they want them to do. Right. Not what God is saying to do. Not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Now that dishonest gain goes all the way back to the Old Testament where it talks about a hireling and a, and a, 
and a true shepherd. Right. Like you're a hireling. And basically when you're a hireling, you're receiving benefit from just doing what God has told you to do. Right. Um, and, and for selfish motives. Mm-hmm. And so Peter here now saying, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Right. So there's a lot of conversation here, and you and I have a conversation before where people have taken this conversation of being a shepherd of a flock and perhaps running with it a bit too far. But he's also bringing some level of humility. Um, serving as overseers, that word serving, that this is, some people see overseer as like, I'm, I'm running this thing. It's like, you're, this is a service. You're not over. Yes, you're overseeing some things, but this is a service to the people you're overseeing. Yep. You're, you're humbling yourself to, to serve them as Christ did. Not by compulsion, but willingness, uh, not for dishonest gain. How do leaders keep this mindset of leading out of an eagerness to serve God? Well, I think ultimately it is your relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Is that being fresh? That is being real and life-giving. And then out of that flows everything else. Mm -hmm. If I ever move away from that, if there's ever a day that the enemy can come and get me to go into CEO mode, Mm -hmm. It is when I've not had proper prayer time. Mm. It's when I've not had proper devotion time. Mm-hmm. It's it's when I've not, uh, it's maybe those days when I've read the word, but not taken the word for myself and consumed the word and let it get into my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those days where maybe I felt like I could take the day off from the Lord. Now, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be said openly, right? but really we do that. Mm-hmm. Like we do that all the time on vacation. Yeah. I've heard people say it. <laughs> Like I'm on vacation. It's like people ask me sometimes, they'll be like, Hey, you went on vacation. So what'd you guys do on a Sunday, man? Since you had Sunday off, we were like, well, we were in a church and they were like, what, (laughs) what are you, what are you doing in church? It's like, well, I didn't take a vacation from the Lord. I didn't take a vacation from the body of Christ. It's like, now I don't have to be in church that Sunday of vacation, but Mm -hmm. normally if we're on vacation and it's a Sunday's involved, I'm actually looking to go somewhere and worship with people yeah. because that that is an example to me that the body is so much bigger than just my little bubble mm-hmm. and that there is so much value and that I can be ministered to. Yeah. But yet I can also go and be like, hey, you know, here, sit next to me. Like I'm serving in that place, although I'm not on the serve team because I'm a part of the bigger body. It's right. like... And, and so when we, when we begin to like delve into this and we talk about how do you not allow yourself to get to that place, it is your relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It is the disciplines of the faith. Mm-hmm. It is staying alert and staying awake and being present mm-hmm. at every moment. Because when that doesn't happen, then you begin to take on more of a business mindset mm-hmm. of a CEO, uh, overseer, I'm in control of all this. I'm building the church, Mm -hmm. and we hear it all the time. Hey, we are building, and normally when people say that, they're talking about building a building, but sometimes behind that is an air of we are building it. Mm. Well, Jesus said that he would build his church, Mm. and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Right. If we are trying to build the church, then the gates of hell are probably prevailing against it. Mm So what is the check and balance for you as an individual or for like you're talking to a young minister and you're like, hey, you know, this is how you can tell if you're walking. Because sometimes we're just because the life of a leader, we're just going. Mm -hmm. What's the wake up call before it's too late for them? 
Well, I, I think that for young leaders, it's making sure that, that number one, your relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Number two, that you're accountable mm. to someone. Right. Now, if, if, if you're married, that would be your spouse. That's mm. your number one accountability. I think I said this on Sunday is that, um, if I have Tanya number one in my life, I'm actually telling her that I don't love her. Mm-hmm. I may worship her, but I don't love her. Right. I may idolize her, but I don't love her. Right. And people go, well, how is that? No, no, no. <laughs> if Jesus is truly number one in my life and I'm fully giving myself to him mm-hmm. and Tanya is number two, that actually is telling her that I love her more than life itself. Right. But if I have her number one, that just tells her that I have a lust for her and I idolize her. Mm-hmm. Thereby, I never will be able to fully be the the husband that she needs. Right. Because her husband won't be fully submitted to the Lord. Mm. And so as, as, as young leaders or leaders in general in the spiritual sense, it's accountability to that, to that spouse. Mm-hmm. And then it is a inner circle of accountability mm. that you have people that are close to you that can have hard conversations with you, mm-hmm. not just telling you how great you are, <laughs> or how wonderful you are. You know, that right. the whole, the old saying of, you know, you're, you're never as good as you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are. Mm-hmm. You need people who give you that balance, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, that when it's needed, it is man, you were on point, man. You were, you were on point, man. The Lord is using you. The Lord is doing this, not to puff you up, but to simply encourage you. Mm-hmm. And then to come to you and go, mm, hey, I sense there's a little bit of staleness, right. a little lukewarmness. Um, where are you at with the Lord? And I think that setting up those, those boundaries is super helpful of not getting to this place. Mm. Um, and then... You know, just one other, and I know we're going to get to this uh, here probably verse four. Right. But I think keeping a, a, a genuine, realistic focus on who you are in the kingdom, mm-hmm. I'm just a fellow elder. Right. I'm just a, a, a nail on a thumb. Right. I'm not even the thumb. <laughs> I'm a nail on the thumb. I'm just a part of a bigger body. Right. And I'm just going to serve my role in serving the Lord and using my gifts for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to serve the bigger body and help them mature and grow as I mature and grow in Christ. Right. Keeping a realistic expectation of who you are within the bigger picture. Uh, because when we get away from that, we begin to think that we are more than we actually are. Mm, that's good. That's good. Like if I'm not there, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. Man, if I don't preach this Sunday... The people are not going to hear from God. And now that sounds funny, but in a way, our actions sometimes are saying that. Sure. And I think that's, again, when you have a team around you, that's, for instance, on Wednesdays here, um, I, I don't, I'm not speaking on a Wednesday, I think, in two months. Mm-hmm. The team is, is doing it because you're all gifted in different ways. Mm-hmm. You all have a different topic centered around one, one mindset and mm-hmm. one talking point but you all have a different topic within that focal point. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you have that? Because you're gifted in different ways and you'll be able to bring a perspective from the word of God and experience from the word of God of how to bring that forth. Why? Because you're the greatest ever? No, because you are just a part of the body and helping all of us mature and grow. So I think that the realistic expectation, um, if it's not number four, it's got to be in the top five. Right. 
I think one of the things that people run into, and you mentioned this a little bit, is you have this mind. Some people have this mindset of, if I'm not the one doing it, mm-hmm. and if you get to the point where you're like, I have to say something, I have to be the one that I have to get up and speak for for this, I have to be the one that preaches for whatever reasons, instead of just letting it happen, letting God do what he needs to do. There, there needs to be a check in your spirit. Going, well, why do I need to do this? Why, why do I have to step in and handle a situation? I, um, you know, with Celeste, we, re- we lead a ministry called Geek Devotions, and we have guests who come on to the show. When we first started off, it was like, all right, I'm going to do the bumper. I'm going to do a front end. Hey, I'm going to introduce it. But I got to the point, I was like, why do I have to do that? Right. I can empower these guys to do this own stuff. Our guests do their own things. I can empower them to speak. And if I trust enough to speak to the community, I should trust them to do what they need to do. And so I don't anymore, which is great because it cuts down my editing time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, well, it's that whole, it's that whole principle of management versus leadership. Right. You know, if you feel like you got to have a hand in everything, you're not leading. Mm-hmm. You're managing. Right. And now you're beginning to try to manage everything, and you're not leading anything. You're just trying to manage people. Right. God, the mantle that the Lord put on me is not management. Mm-hmm. God did not call me to manage. God mm-hmm. called me to lead. Right. And and in that, in humility, not arrogance or with a critical spirit or any of those other things, but in humility. Mm-hmm. And um, and we've talked about this two things that we see more prevalent in the church world, I'll just say church world, not body of Christ, church world, Mm. is arrogance or criticism. Mm. Arrogance in our way is the only way, and what they're talking about is not the way, the truth, and the life, but they're talking about method. Mm -hmm. Criticism is, well, that's not not God, that's not God, that's not God, because dot, 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 dot. Mm. And we've seen that a lot with different awakenings and, and if you want to call them revivals taking place, whether it be on college campuses or in regions or in churches or whatever, uh, I just saw today there's something going on in Times Square oh, wow. that they're calling a revival. And it's like people are dancing before the Lord and they're worshiping the Lord and they're praying. And as one who has been in Times Square, that's different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not Elmo or the Naked Cowboy or a giant <laughs> big bird. It's like, man, people are declaring the word of the Lord and people are praying and people are prophesying and and like somebody would come in and go, oh, that can't happen because this didn't happen. Well, not every revival is a two-hour expository message out of a King James Bible. And I don't say that with arrogance. I just say that that's the way that it's been brought out is like mm. it can only happen that way. And I'm like, have you read the Word of God? Mm. Even all the different regions that Paul went to, the genesis of it wasn't always like a two-hour sermon or a one-hour sermon. Mm-hmm. It might have been a miracle. It might have been a terrible situation. It, again, the stoning of Stephen is the genesis of a revival that takes place. That's the conversion of, of Saul becoming Paul that becomes a, a massive revival right. in a whole entire region where the Word of God says that through the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord, the church multiplied every single day. Right. And, and that didn't come out of a CEO type of leadership. That came out of a humility and a spiritual leadership mm-hmm. that says, I'm just a piece of this. Right. I may be leading, shepherding. I may be overseeing, which means I have a responsibility for certain things. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the only one. And right. that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, yes, we have to lead people. We have to lead the flock of God, it, what, whoever God. The flock of God could be your family. Mm-hmm. My family's saved. They are the flock of God. Well, who's the leader? I am. Right. Now, my son-in-laws lead their own households. 
But as the whole family as a whole, I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. My in-laws on, on, on one side, he's a leader. The father on that side of the family, he's a leader too in the whole unit. Right. We all have a say. Right. Because we're leaders. We're not the person. Mm-hmm. We're just one of a few that help to lead the flock of God. And I think a part of that is just having the balance of, of walking this out, of the balance of going, I'm going to be humble in this manner, but I'm going to lead in this manner. It's the humbleness of I'm going to be you know, very heady, but I'm also going to be very spirit-minded at the same time. And when we see the unbalance, that's when we see the weird stuff happen on both sides of the line. Right. You know, you talked about how, you know, just now that, you know, revival isn't always expository preaching, but sometimes it is. That's right. You know, it's a balance of things. You know, the greatest revivals, in my opinion, were the ones that had great discipleship afterwards. And there's some groups that have some great discipleship until they get to the parts about where there's a spirit movement take place and they kind of just throw that portion of the Bible out the window. That's not healthy either. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And it's up to a leader to keep the balance. Yeah. I'm like, what's the fruit? Yeah. What's the fruit? Exactly. That's like some people now are saying that that uh, the Jesus People movement wasn't a revival. Wow. And I'm like, have you looked at the last fifty years? <laughs> like, look at the fruit. Yeah. Look at look at the amount of disciples that have been reproduced. Mm-hmm. Not just in a moment. And what they're doing is they're taking certain personalities that were a part of those moves of God. Mm-hmm. And if those people weren't perfect after that, then that wasn't a move of God. Mm. My retort to that would be, read the Word of God. Yeah. Look at David. Was David a part of a move of God? (laughs) You better believe he was a part of a move of God. Mm -hmm. Was he completely, absolutely flawed? You better believe he was. And so was Noah and so was Moses. Mm -hmm. When he strikes the rock, Noah ends up drunk and naked. Right. I mean, come on. Well, they're like, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, look at the New Testament. Let's just start with Peter. Hello, we, we've already named what he did. Right. Oh, that was before. Before what? Yeah, he before was walking what? with Christ. Before what? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he's walking with he Christ. He acknowledged Jesus. And as a- he's giving up after the resurrection, and he doesn't even believe the resurrection took place when the women come back and give the report. Right. Like, what, do you, like, what are we talking about here? At what point does Peter get saved when he's on the beach with Jesus? He's sitting there talking to him. <laughs> right. After he I said mean, yes like, three times? It's like we get this revisionist mindset because it makes us feel more comfortable in whatever our belief system is now. Mm-hmm. Because now we can think we're more enlightened than they were. Mm-hmm. And that's just ridiculous. Exactly. It's we, Humanity is humanity in whatever time period. Mm-hmm. And sinfulness is is innate in every single single human from the beginning all the way to now. Right. It never changes. Right. Man. A little bit of a tangent, but it was good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all back to, though, yeah. that God has called us to lead. Right. But in that same place, it's not by compulsion because we've seen religious abuses over the centuries where entire religious movements have used religion to dominate either groups mm-hmm. or a people group. Right. And we've seen the results of that. Verse 3, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So over the years, we've seen abuses from the pulpit. Mm. Um, and, and some people like to point to those as if those are absolutes. We've seen abuses with leadership. What causes this kind of mindset of, of people lording over things? And how can we as leaders actively avoid this mindset? 
I think it's the second part of verse three mm. by being examples to the flock. Mm -hmm. And that's not from the pulpit. Mm. That's in your everyday life. Right. That's letting people in. That's, that's people seeing how you deal with people, how you deal with your family, how you live, how you give, how you serve. Mm -hmm. All those things matter. Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot of people in, in pulpits and some not because they have terrible motives, but it's just been the way they've been taught. Mm hmm or the way they've not been taught. They haven't had mentors, and mm. they just kind of try to do it the best they can. Right. But in that, be, pulpit becomes a different personality than daily life, mm -hmm. and that's a problem. It's a problem when you can turn it on when you get behind a pulpit right? and then turn it off when you get out of the pulpit. Mm -hmm. You have time to tell everybody what you think a pastor says mm. from a pulpit but you don't have time to model before people what the word actually said. Yeah. Now, none of us are perfect and we all fail and I can be the chiefest among us. Mm -hmm. But I believe that if you go back to day one, 29 years ago and my walk with the Lord and the things that we have walked through and, and how we've walked through it, not perfect. Um, we've had a lot of dark. I've had a lot of dark nights of the soul. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all out clinical depression, but a lot of dark nights of the soul, mm -hmm. a lot of insecurity, a lot of uh, doubting myself, a lot of comparison. Mm. You know, one of my mentors has a beautiful saying, you know, never, never uh, compete, never compare, never criticize. Mm. Never compete, never compare, never criticize. Man, that'll keep you in a humble place. Yeah. And it, and it, and it will also let you know that, man, that, the pulpit is sacred, that place of, of not a piece of furniture, but being before a group of people and having the responsibility to say, this is what the Lord is saying. Mm. That's a heavy responsibility. Right. And I think too many guys have been taught that it's not. And they've taken it lightly and they've taken examples from the world and they used video clips. Again, I've used video clips. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying that we've been taught to bring forth a more palatable TED Talk version rather than declaring the truth of God's Word. Mm -hmm. And we've done it because of insecurity, and we've done it because of dark nights of the soul, and because we want people to think that we're something that we're not. Mm -hmm. I've been very transparent in most every atmospheres that I've been in, sometimes to my own detriment. Mm -hmm. I'll openly admit that there have been times I've been too transparent, mm -hmm. but I think that I would rather be too transparent than to be a fraud mm -hmm. and a fake and to be somebody that I'm truly not. Mm -hmm. And you guys know me, you all know me, you know me, um, standing on a platform, you know, me face on the floor, you know, me in my living room, you know, me in a restaurant. You know me in all different, you've seen me around all different types of people, in churches, out of churches, lost people. You guys have seen me everywhere. And I, I don't think there's a person that truly knows me that can say, hey, that guy's a hypocrite or right. he's different on that platform than he is off that platform. Right. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm the most happy-go-lucky guy 24-7, but it does mean that there is a consistency there mm -hmm. that can only be attained through Christ. I want to speak to that because I, I remember 
the 24 hours where I saw that in you, where I saw that the awful took place. It was years ago. You had just came on staff here at the Healing Place as our lead pastor. I think we were maybe a couple months in, and in that same day, one day, you came in and uh, I had some. You need me to do some stuff, some things. You're giving me some direction on a few things. You're you're very much in that pastoral leadership thing. You're giving me some direction. Um, about an hour later, we're in my office joking about some stuff, and then about an hour later, you're like, "Hey, I'm going up to Arkansas. Uh, can you come with me?" Uh, for a quick trip, there's a, some sort of services going upstairs. So you and I load up in a vehicle on a whim, and we drive north to Arkansas. And um, in that vehicle, I had the just relaxed Pastor Scott on a road trip. We got a quarter of a tank of gas. We're praying we're going to make it. Uh, <laughs> so when I learned that's how your mindset things, we get up there, and then I see you as Scott, the, the, the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, all at the same time, ministering to people on there. Not changing your mindset, not changing your things, some of the same stuff that you would say in a joking manner with me the same way you do it. And then on the way back, stopping halfway, crashing, sleeping because you're exhausted because we were just going and all the way back. And that's the consistency aspect of everything. In 24 hours, I saw you in different forms, but it was the same you. There was no changes in everything. Uh, and I think that's the problem is people, when they lord things, they, they get in this motive, well, I'm the pastor. And they lord over people. They lord their position. They're not real with the people. And they think that when they're in these other environments, they have to do something different. They have to speak differently. You don't. You don't. Now there's, you know, I'm not talking about your, your preaching style. Some people, when they preach, it's just one thing or it's another, and that's a, a way of communication. But it's the expression of who you are. And that's what he's dealing with here is people are expressing stuff as, I am the Lord over you. Right. That's like, no, there's one Lord. You know, this isn't a, you know, you're not the sheriff Nottingham here. You're not over here handling things. You're one of the elders, a fellow elder. And we have to respect the fact that everyone has their own position. It doesn't mean you change your mindset. It doesn't mean you do things differently necessarily. But it's you live this life in front of people in a very honest and open way. Yeah. Well, before we go to verse 4, just let me say thank you for that. I, you have never told me that whole story quite like that. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Okay, so uh, we'll get this conversation in your book, The, the Great Shepherd uh, by Scott <laughs> Etheridge, uh, or The Chief Shepherd. Mm. What is this? Who is the, the, the great shepherd or the chief shepherd, and how does acknowledging him help us to be humble? Psalm 23, mm. the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Mm. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, not the pastor. Right. Not Scott, Dallas, Rick, Matt, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, some people think that it is the, the job of a leader to leave the 99 and get the one, but that is in reference to the Lord Jesus. Right. And God's presence is everywhere all the time now with the advent of the Holy Spirit being sent and God's presence is everywhere. And so the psalmist said it best. There's nowhere I can go that you're not there. Right. <laughs> the highest of heights and the lowest of lows, he's there. There's no escaping him. Now that can be terrifying or it can be comforting. <laughs> it just depends on where your own heart is. Right. I don't have the luxury to leave the 99 to run after the one. Mm. Because if, God has called me to under-shepherd and to lead the flock. It doesn't say one. 
Mm-hmm. It says the flock of God. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say shepherd the one. It says the flock of God. Then when the one is going, because by the way, not only am I a leader, but I'm a sheep. Mm. So I'm one of the 99. Mm-hmm. I have to be or I can't hear his voice. Exactly. And then how can I lead if I can't hear his voice? Right. Because only a sheep know his voice. So if not, if I'm if I'm only the shepherd, then I can't be the sheep. Mm-hmm. So I don't see myself as the lead shepherd. I see myself as the lead sheep. Mm. Which means that when the shepherd comes back and says, hey, here's where we're going, then me as a leader can look at the other 98 mm-hmm. and go, okay, now the Lord has spoken, we can move. Right. And I think that sometimes pastors put themselves in the place of Jesus or other people put them there. Mm. And now they're no longer a part of the flock of God. Right. And if you're not a part of the flock of God, my question would be, how do you hear his voice? Mm. Like, if you're not a sheep, and a lot would make the argument of, I'm a shepherd and the sheep, and I kind of get what they're saying, but they're taking it out of the context of what this is written as. Mm. Peter's not writing this as, hey, guys, elevate yourselves and you're all shepherds. He's actually pulling them down from that mindset. There's a reason why he says, being lords over those who are entrusted to you. There's a reason why he says, not by compulsion. He's saying it because it was happening. Mm -hmm. This isn't a warning of what's to come. It's what's been happening. This is a maintenance of what's been happening. Mm -hmm. This is a correction of what's been happening. Right. Because we know from the rest of his writings to these pilgrims that Mm -hmm. have been dispersed that these abuses have already been going on. Yeah. And, And he's already covered some of that. So it's not like it's forewarning of something to come, it's already functioning within their leadership. Right. And he's bringing a rebuke and a correction. Right. And so when he says the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Again, if you're solidified as I'm the leader, then you're only going to get the fruit of that one moment. Mm. The natural fruit, the low hanging fruit. Right. An attaboy. Mm. Hey, he's the leader. That'll stroke your ego a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it'll kill your authority. Right. It'll kill your authority. Mm-hmm. And you will have no eternal reward. But if you recognize that Jesus is the one, he is the one, he's the gate, he's the door. Like, we're not even the ones, as a leader, we're not even the ones who open the door for him. Mm-hmm. Like when he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he's talking about lukewarm people. Mm-hmm. As a leader and as a lead sheep, I'm not even the one who opens the door for him. Mm. He is the door. I'm just with the 98 going, hey, we're going to wait here. And then when the Lord speaks, we're going to go. It goes all the way back to, Lord, I don't even want to go to the promised land if your presence isn't there. Mm-hmm. I don't want the promise unless you're there. Right. And and that's the way in spiritual leadership that we need to function is that we're one of the 99. And then he is the one. And so I don't make anybody lie down in green pastures. That would be compulsion. Right. That would be lording myself over. Sit down. You can't do this. You've got to do this. You've got to. That's that's the work of the Lord, not mm-hmm. me. Yeah. He makes us to lie down. He's the one who leads us beside, you know, still waters. Mm-hmm. Not not me. Right. And I simply try to lead the best I can in what the Lord is saying, not just to me, but to the flock of God. Right. And for us, that would be like the local body. And then for me, there's a second tier of 
of a ministry network that I'm a part of, and then there's a third tier of a, a, a state denominational network that I'm a part of, that that God has given me certain responsibilities in every single one of those things. It may look a little bit different, but my motives and my spirit has to be the same in all of it. Right. Lots here. <laughs> we just covered four uh, verses, and we've been at this for quite a while. And um, my... Again, I start off by saying, leaders, we want you to hear this, but this isn't just for those who are lead pastors or on leadership teams. This is for people that are in their houses. Mm-hmm. These are for the people who lead their homes, they lead any kind of team. They're in the workplace. This is stuff we have to walk in as a whole, regardless. We have to keep the stuff in our mindset that we are we are uh, we are the lead sheep <laughs> among amongst other sheep. But when we lead, we need to do it with a certain level of humility and walk in that. Pastor, any last thoughts before we uh, bring this to a close? No, I know that next week we're going to dive a little bit deeper and it's probably going to get pretty personal. But <laughs> uh, but I just, I think for me, I just, I, I want to make sure that, that, especially in the current culture that we are in, mm-hmm. and current culture, I say like church culture, mm-hmm. that we can lean so far toward arrogance or criticism that we forget the model and example that Jesus gave for us, and that was humility. Mm-hmm. And speaking from experience, humility is a hard, hard, hard lesson. Mm. Um, but when you are rooted and grounded in Christ, when you the disciplines of the faith are solid in your life and consistent, humility is not hard mm. because of what it's grounded in. That's good. And you can't make yourself be humble outside of Jesus. Right. You can't do it. Mm. You can kind of act like it, Mm -hmm. but you can't. You can't do it. Right. And when you see humility, you know humility. Mm -hmm. True humility. You will know it. And it will be an expression to you of Jesus. It may be one of the greatest expressions to the world, an unbelieving world, Mm -hmm. uh, of Jesus. Yeah. So good. Well, guys, we want to hear from you. How does this encourage you? Has it challenged you? Reach out to us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. Leave a message on our, our Facebook page, Midweek Move. And do us a favor. Um, share this video out. Uh, share this if you're if you're part of a leadership team. Share this with your leadership team. Uh, because there's a lot of nuggets in here that I feel like will, like I said, front end, this will shift how you see leadership as a whole. Till next time, have a great week. Mm-hmm.